Hey, it's Margot Tantow here. Welcome to Windowsill Chats, a podcast for creatives and the creatively curious. I am so glad you're here. I've spent decades working with artists and being one myself. I've spent time in the trenches, figuring out the best way to get something made, how to put oneself out there, how to get your work noticed, and pull yourself up and face the next challenge. Windowsill Chats brings you creativity from a global perspective, as I talk in depth to friends I've met along the way. I'm here to bring their stories to you, as well as a few of my own, and see if there's anything you can pull out for yourself. Maybe a laugh, something you can relate to, and definitely a little bit more community for your quiet corner. So grab a cup of tea or coffee or a glass of wine and join me over in my sunny windowsill. Yes, I need your trouble. glad you're here with me on the sunny windowsill today. I have been wanting to talk to Annie McGee for quite some time because to me, she is just light. She is positive energy. She's wonderfully creative. And every time um, I come in contact with her, she just makes me feel better and makes me smile. Annie is a history-loving illustrator and pattern designer. She currently lives in Cheshire, England with her husband, Ben, and two wonderful children, Jack and Ella. She loves to feather her creative nest by exploring all kinds of crafts, declaring herself to be a Renaissance soul who loves to dive into multiple mediums. Her passion for storytelling and creativity has led her from stitching alternative embroidery as Scavenger Annie her business then, to the wonderful world of illustration created under the studio name of Northern Bird Designs. Her art supply and munition includes watercolors, inks, pastels, and digital techniques, which she uses to create her patterns and wonderful illustrations. Annie is inspired by historic tales, murder mysteries, comic book adventures, retro pop art, and science fiction. But here's something that you might not see when you see Annie and when you see her work and her designs and her creativity. Her journey has been driven by her experience of chronic illness, disability, and the long, incredibly frustrating journey of trying to seek diagnosis. Annie starting a podcast for artists, illustrators, and makers called the Chronic Artist Podcast. You guys, this is such a big deal. I'm so proud of her, and I think it will help so many. In this podcast, she chats about the creative journey when you're living with chronic illness and raising a family. And I hope some of you are nodding because there's so much to this. She shares her strategies for time management, planning, and techniques that have helped her to stay creative in the most stressful of times. You can also find further resources on Annie's Patreon, where she shares deep dives into topics from the Chronic Artist Podcast and illustration videos, including art supply reviews, behind-the-scenes snippets of Northern Bird Designs, and art-making sessions. So all that to be said, Annie is a person living with chronic illness, trying to figure out what it is. She's had it pretty much lifelong. She's raising kiddos, and she's just a creative light. So... 
this is an honest, beautiful conversation. And I so support the fact that Annie is putting this out into the world because I think it will help many of us. So I will wait no further to introduce you to Miss Annie McGee. Thanks for being here. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I've really been looking forward to this. You're just a bright light for me. And I, I really do. I really appreciate your energy and it just always makes my day when, when, when you show up. So thank you. Oh, thank you very much. Absolutely. So for those of us, for those, those of us, those people listening who don't know who Annie is, give us a little trip down the path of Annie, the creative Annie, the, you know, Annie in the world today. How's this all worked out for you? How's this unfolded? Did you come from a creative family? It's a strange one, really. I think on the surface, I'd be like, oh, no, we're not creative at all. But then when I actually ask my mum about things and you dig it a bit deeper, there's things like my auntie on my dad's side was a watercolour artist and she was Mm -hmm. amazing in her younger days. Um, Then I've got the engineering background of my mum's family, mum's sister. She uh, worked at Ferranti's, which was a great engineering company. Mm -hmm. And she was one of the only females working for those guys creating Wow. All the different engines and steam engines and machinery and things like creative. that. So you've got to have that good sort of logical brain mm-hmm. on that side there. And, and she also does watercolours as well. So there is that element. And my grandma, she could sew just by looking at somebody. She wouldn't have to measure them. Oh my she, my mum said she used to just whip up a dress just by holding the fabric against me when I was tiny. And just oh my gosh. In the machine, it would go and it fit perfectly. So Well, and you know, we were we were talking at a, in a separate, at a separate time earlier today. And you made a comment how being creative doesn't just mean what you're doing with your hands. It's how your brain works or how you're approaching your day or the, which is really one of my favorite topics, because I feel like everybody has creativity in them, whether it's how they pack the back of a moving truck or something, you know, but just you pointing out these people in your life and how it shows up it's how it's, there's so much creative thinking in all of those things, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of my journey the last two years definitely has been adjusting my lifestyle to kind of not settle in, but almost get used to this chronic mm-hmm. illness life and the disabilities mm-hmm. and things that I encounter, the obstacles and roadblocks that sort of throw up in front of me. And I just kind of go, oh, right, okay. But I'm a problem solver in my head. So I get into that routine and that pattern of I see a problem, I reframe my initial thoughts, my initial reactions. Um, So that's why I said today about it's not just those times where you're creating something with your hands and you're not, you know, creating social media posts, things like that. I think productivity does come and creativity is there when you're just walking the dog and you're listening to podcasts like this one and, Mm. you know, playing with the kids and, Tonight we went out in the garden just after tea and we were looking up at the stars and the moon and watching the shadows and, you know, my little girl, Ella, her reactions to shadows on the ground wow. and seeing the moon. It was just, it, that's the stuff that gets yeah. you, isn't it? That gets the soul going, gets it burning. <laughs> I agree. It's those foundational things. I, I do. I mean, I have literal memories of where I was when I was walking along and I saw how the shadow was crossing, intersecting the pavement and align it. I, I, you know, those are the moments mm. that add to 
what we're then able to go do in our, in our day to day, I think, and having those productive moments. And as you mentioned, as somebody with, that has to deal with something chronic and when did you kind of figure that out? Like, did you like, tell me about that. It's a strange one. Again, (laughs) it's one of those, I think with, I've not got a diagnosis yet. I'm like 90% sure of uh, what's going on and the journey of trying to find somebody who will listen and who will become part of a wider medical team. Because just as I'm a multi-passionate creative and I like to do lots of art, I also like to collect lots of illnesses (laughs) and it's spread throughout my body. There's lots, every system of my body is affected in one way or another. Um, So yeah, it's, it was, I've had it all my life. I believe it is a genetic thing that I hope I will get that official stamp one day of, yes, you're not just making things up and it's not just pains as a woman Mm. you need to deal with. Um, So there's that element of it where I've had it all my life, but I think before the point at which it became really severe, I was just living through what society was telling me was normal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And all these external voices again, rather than listening to my gut instinct and my inner voice. That's such an interesting point because we do look at society or our surroundings or what, you know, in, when we were younger, it was like, Oh, look at this magazine. I'm maybe I'm supposed to look like that or think like that. And then you get to a point where you realize, Oh, I actually can think like myself. But if you, if your body's feeling different than everybody else is saying it should, that's a whole nother thing. Yeah. And I think like a lot of things with women's health mm-hmm. is that you're told by medical professionals that it's in your head. Um, it's just a pain that women have to deal with and other such things, which is basically medical gaslighting. I've come yeah. to hear about that term now. Um, wow. And unfortunately, in the last six years, I've just encountered the same things again and again and again. Mm. And this is where I'm at a point now where I'm like, yeah, no more. I'm not having, any, not putting up with this. I'm finding a way. And my initial reaction to recent events where I've experienced those encounters with medical professionals has been, wow, if they're talking to me like that within this 10-minute conversation this 10 minute consultation how many people have they seen that day that month that year you know in their medical lifetime how many people how many women have they treated like that Mm. in the same way and that really then kind of lit the spark for me thinking about the chronic illness podcast and Mm -hmm. how we can stay to be creative whilst we're going through such stressful times as seeking a diagnosis holding a family together and going through the ups and downs of life. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I think you will have just, you will find people that have been waiting and waiting for this because Mm -hmm. just like you said, it's treated as, Oh, nothing's really wrong. Or that's just how you are, or it's all in your head or whatever it is. And we know every human really knows our body. We know when something's not quite right. And then if there's pain or fatigue or whatever that thing is, you know, I have a thing too. And for me, it was coughing constantly and having some breathing stuff that I just weren't walking up a normal hill. And then you're, when all of a sudden it presents differently or more, you're like, well, that, I don't want that to really be the case, but, but it is. And so what can we do about it? And if you go to do something about it and you, you're not finding a practitioner that's, that's, 
that's really digging in with you, then that's a whole nother layer of yeah of frustration. Yeah, it definitely is. It's 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 a frustration, and for me, it became like I say, it became an anger because mm, mm-hmm. I just got so fed up. Because you think, right, I've got something wrong with me. I'm gonna find out what it is I'll do my own research because you've got to be an advocate for yourself you do it's crazy whether a witch uh, and you've got to speak up and I think that's been difficult because having like my mom and other generations in my family they've been brought up not to question mm-hmm. the yes. status quo and mm-hmm. so you get I mean finally my, I'll say finally I mean in a way that at this stage in her life and her experience of all the health issues she's got going on she's at the point where she's now encouraging me to go and push further and Uh, write the letters and make the complaints. Whereas before, you know, before I had my kids, I just wouldn't have said boo to a goose. Yeah. That's (laughs) so so interesting. mm. I, isn't it advocating for yourself though? I've, I really have found, unfortunately, (laughs) that's what you have to do. And every time I can afford to sit on a call and wait or, you know, say, no, I'm, I'm not taking that for an answer. I think of all the people that don't have that luxury of, of even insurance or, you know, for some reason, depending, but still what we are, what we are looking for is an answer. So how has that affected your creative journey? Has it made it easier for you to know you wanted to, to create for yourself or harder just in, in physically harder? I think I've always had that creative element throughout my life. Like I remember some of the first things I made at primary school were making props for the school plays and I was making a Victorian drain pipe out of cardboard tubes and paper mache and things like that. And then I've always written stories. I used to rip up words and create my own songs and things like that. I pretend I was a DJ recording it on my cassette player in the bedroom. (laughs) So I I think there's always been that sort of that need within me to make things and to entertain myself a lot and to be able to keep sort of that imagining that childlike attitude that childlike playfulness to life um and then you go out into the big wide world and I think at Sixth Farm College I unfortunately had the encounter with a careers advisor who uh, said to me you won't get a job in the arts nobody works in the arts um so even though I got an A star at A level in ceramics, did I take that on? No, because that one person, that one time in that five minute interview said, don't get a job. There's no jobs in the arts. Was Uh, he not an art person? Was he somebody? somebody It was, it was a lady. Oh, Um, really? Yeah. That is surprising, isn't it? Dang it. (laughs) It it was a woman. And um, I don't know what her background was for uh, that side of things, but yeah, it's one of the one of the regrets, I shall say, of having not oh done gosh. art school straight yeah. through from Sixth Farm College, so 16, yeah. 17. But. Uh, so, okay, I have to circle back to that because ceramics, mm-hmm. had that's amazing. Have you done anything with that? I absolutely adored. It was 3D studies, 3D design, and it was slab building. It was making things from clay. We did life model studies um all sorts with the ceramics I absolutely wow. loved it to bits and I've always been into the 3D design element of yeah. things uh, I did it at GCSE level for my art as well and specialized in that 
so that was like at secondary school high school age nice. um and then I've only just sort of come back to myself again and gone look what is it that I do love doing mm-hmm. and uh when just before I became pregnant with Ella couple of years ago I did take a little course at ceramic studio in Salford and uh yeah I oh I fell in love again and just really do want to bring that back into my creative life at some point I will have a kiln I will have a pottery wheel yes Yes, you will well you know when you look back and I talk to so many people we really know what we love we just bury it often for some reason or another, it's one comment for some, from somebody or your own, you know, pressures on yourself or nobody will like it or financially or time or whatever it is. But we all know what that thing is that speaks to us or things plural. So that's a good thing to know, because then I can, I can keep asking you about that (laughs) as time goes on. Where are the ceramics? (laughs) Where are they? Come on. <laughs> no, it's, I think that's where this last year and coming into this year now, I'm actually working out how I can keep all the elements of my creativity with the, you know, I do sewing, I do machine embroidery, uh, I do the illustration, pattern design and the ceramics. I'd like to bring that all together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm finding that mixed media is mm-hmm. a wonderful opportunity to uh, be like yeah this is my label I'm a mixed media artist so it's it's (laughs) it's the best I mean that's for sure I mean how can we pick one really as creatives I feel like we're interested in so many things and I yeah mixed media for sure I think it's our hands keeping our hands creating something whether it's motion with a brush or a pen or you know a needle and thread or whatever it is clay for example and and i think it's just one thing begets the other because if you can spend some time doing something in a category that you love maybe it'll it'll help the illustration work or or whatever that looks like oh yeah definitely i think um the whole multi-passionate ideas and having all these different crafts that i love to do you sometimes feel like well, even about 12 months ago, I probably would have been a bit ashamed that, you know, I don't have a style. And I think I spoke to, the, <laughs> to, spoke to you about this. And mm-hmm. I was like, how can I just choose one? People are telling me I'm getting all these different portfolio reviews and they're all saying, just choose one. You've got too many things and too many styles and too many oh. likes. And I was like, it goes against my guts, but that yeah. comes back again to listening to yourself. It does. Um, because you, know. you, you, you often you're, your advisor, for instance, in school, mm. like that's my advisor. That's a person older than me. That's in the world that knows what's going on. And they told me that I'm never going to make any money. So I better listen to that. And then if you're getting a portfolio review, the same, it's like, pick one thing. Well, that's not going to last very long if you're a multi-passionate person. And, and for anyone wondering, my answer is don't even think <laughs> about picking just one thing, but that's another story for another day. And that's why I love you. <laughs> well, I can't pick one thing. No, I think, you know, you're a kindred soul. We were very much alike in that respect. And when you said that to me, I was like, yes, I've been waiting to <laughs> hear that. <laughs> well, you know, and I, and I go back to, and I know we're jumping around a little bit, but when I, I go back to the first time my friend Tammy Smith did Surtex and, and she was like, you know, I, and it was, a good while ago. So it was really when 
you didn't show your art on product. It was just flat because if you showed your art on product, you were, people thought, oh my gosh, you must already be making plates. So I'm not going to talk to you about plates. So obviously that's changed. Thank goodness. But, um, she, she was a magnificent wire artist and, and just award-winning and saying, but she was saying, you know, I should only do my patterns and my artwork here. And we said, we came up, we were building out our booth and we came up with like, why don't you at least bring some bit of your wire? Like, and she did this great thing where from the top of her booth down, she made this wire chain and she had this little wire basket with her business cards in it and a few other things. Just, it was just a whimsical add-on. The first license she got from being at that show was for her wire work. That's <laughs> what stood out, right? So oh, that brilliant. to me has always been just an exclamation point on the fact that what do you like to do? You know, mm-hmm. put that out there. And your portfolio should be have in it what you love to do because the person hiring you is going to hire you for what they see. So hopefully what they're seeing is what you want to, what do you want to keep creating? Yeah. Exactly. You can't land the dream clients if you're not showing what you're passionate about, what your dream is and what your dream is. Definitely oh, agree with you on that one. Quotable right there. <laughs> so tell me how, so this is an undiagnosed chronic situation that you have, which I'm so sorry for that. Cause how frustrating, but do you know yourself what, what you need to do for, as far as working, like you can hold this for this long, or you need to rest at this point. Um, how does that show up in, in, in doing your creative work? It's been a struggle. I'll openly say that it is really hard. Um, often I think as someone with chronic illnesses and being an artist, um you tend to sort of tell yourself I need to find the balance mm-hmm. I think even without a chronic illness you probably <laughs> I think I said it before you know it's that you know you're always searching for that balance between work life and home life and creative life and family and all the responsibilities you have um so this year I have just been again centering myself to make sure that I listen and I take notes of the signs I now I've kept like a pain diary for mm-hmm. quite a while um and I just I just monitor everything it sounds a bit uh obsessive almost but if it becomes a daily practice it is yeah it's really important to help notice the patterns in things Mm -hmm. um and again it's like that problem solving puzzle solving I'm a big you know mystery murder mystery reader and all of that lot so that comes into it for me it's like oh I've got a puzzle to solve right okay Mm -hmm. I'm the puzzle this time well because (laughs) at some point you're going to find the right doctor that says to you, let's talk about, you know, your pain journey. Do you have, can you tell me what that looks like? And you could say, as a matter of fact, yes, I can. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like I've, I've monitored now and picked up that it actually follows my uh, hormones across uh-huh. the month as well. So I'm aware of when my serious downtimes are mm-hmm. and when my not okay levels, but manageable days or probably slot into that um so I do schedule that into my little calendar and my planner to make sure that I'm not like doing too many classes at once or having too many activities with the kids that I've got to go to and things like that um but it is just a case of knowing the warning signs before they happen Mm -hmm. and watching out for those little tiny signs 
before you then hit the big ones. And, you know, I mean, I'm no saint. I will say that I have pushed it. Mm. I get stubborn with myself, even yeah. when my body is telling me, no, I'm like, you're not telling me what to do, body. I'm right. going and doing A, B, I'm and C. I'm not going to pay attention to that right now. <laughs> I'll show I'll you for it later. <laughs> and then it's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I know it is frustrating because we want to think that where we can overcome those things. But when you know it's chronic means it's hanging around, it's there. So, you know, how, how to manage that. So does it affect just how much, you know, you can do in a day or does it affect literally things like I can't work with clay because it makes me feel this way? Yes. Yeah. As an example. uh, Because it's multi-system. So it's my muscles, my joints, uh, my veins, because I've got Raynards, which is an effect with the temperature um and it's also chronic fatigue mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. and when that hits that's an absolute doozy mm-hmm. um so even doing something as simple as having a shower in the yeah. morning that would be my activity for the day sometimes if I'm on a bad yeah. day yeah. um and sometimes I even just miss the shower and have a quick wash and it, it's all those yeah. kind of self-care things uh, walking up and down stairs I've got two flights of stairs in the house yeah. so I have to yeah. watch and count that into my day factor that in and it does there's a lot to consider and it's just a way of finding systems that work for me whether it's writing it down in a notebook or having a certain kind of app on my phone where I can just quickly press a button on my phone and it'll log symptoms or it'll Mm. log certain experiences or moods or anything like that. And then just even getting into the habit of at the end of the week going, right, this week's been like X, Y, and Z. So it looks like this next week I'll either be able to manage Mm. three or four little projects or activities and then, building up your routine that way. So, mm. wow. I thank you for sharing that. I really think there's certainly other people listening that are super grateful for the sharing of that. And I, I think too, I had a, you made me think of something to take me a second <laughs> to get back there, but um, often we see people who have challenges who, you know, maybe, hearing or seeing or bodily, you know, they're an amputee or whatever it is. And they've decided that's okay. I'm going to learn how to run now, even though, you know, whatever it is. And I feel like often there's, so we feel like there's, there's really not an excuse. I need to be able to do this thing and I'm going to find a way. And sometimes that's the impetus of finding your way through it. But also sometimes I feel like if you can give yourself grace around I can only do this today. That, that is so important too. It's like you said, you, it, the, the battle is with your own mind and body. Definitely. Right. So you, you want to be able to say it's really okay. I am absolutely beautiful exactly as I am right now. And if I can make this illustration, that's great. And if I can't make this illustration, next week is absolutely the perfect time to do it or whatever that looks like. But I think there's a whole, um, conversation with ourselves about like this ideally would look different, but this is how I I am. And how lucky am I to be here with these kids in this art palette and, you know, the things in front of me. So I think it's 
how has that conversation been just kind of knowing that it's changed as, as you've, as you're grown older or had kids or whatever those changes might be just to kind of rationalize it all for yourself. I think that conversation in my head, I'm a Pisces. So I'm always going one way or the other and questioning everything. I'll get general consensus, then make up my own decision. (laughs) And so I always find that conversation of uh, how to live day to day. It's a tricky one. It is very difficult. But again, it's it's just finding the right tools, I think. And again, like we said before, the right medical professionals mm-hmm. who will help us and aid us, because there's a point at which you can do only so much research yourself. Um, I don't have a medical degree. I've just got, you know, Masters of Arts in exhibition right. design. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, I mean, yeah, it's very tricky. But I think I had a saving grace when I pushed for the rheumatologist who didn't want to listen to me to mm. actually just refer me on to occupational therapy. And the moment I went there, uh, meeting her, she was amazing. Oh, and good. just having that one person, that one soul to listen to you and say, look, you don't have to justify what you're saying to me. I, oh. I, I totally, totally believe you. You don't have to oh. <laughs> explain. Cause I find myself as I've always done yeah. proving with documents and things printed off the internet and you know photos stacked up of when I've had reactions to various things and yeah. trying to prove again and again that I'm not just making things up for whatever reason oh uh, and Nobody so she was just like that. yeah she, she was just amazing she's like look I'm here to help you in whatever way I can and she gave me lots of uh, like these gloves and splints to support my joints because I've got hypermobility where my joints overextend or go the wrong way uh, they slip in and out things like that but just having those basic tools and basic yeah. bits of equipment and then pointing me in the right direction as well of oh well you know apply for this benefits and that yeah. sort of funding and things like that that just was a moment of pure clarity for me oh. to be able to then give you that motivation that oomph to get on and keep yeah. going so yeah. th- she's not saying I can pinpoint this for you but she's saying I hear you I fully believe you and I support you and here let's put our heads together and see how we can make things work more easily for you yeah definitely yeah. I think when you've suffered with chronic illness for any length of time you suddenly realize you get to that point where you go oh yeah chronic means it's not going to suddenly disappear with a magic pill even if I do find you know the wizard of Oz and (laughs) they help us out (laughs) it's you do sort of realize right I'm going to have to change my ways I'm going Mm -hmm. to have to you know alter my diet my lifestyle Mm -hmm. choices and just to be able to get through a day Mm -hmm. Um, and acknowledging that within yourself again back to that internal conversation um another part of the uh the chat I had with the occupational therapist was the the label of disability and when she said Mm. about applying for a blue badge which allows you to park closer to shops and things uh and I was like oh but I'm not disabled enough and she's like you need help walking with sticks and you're using the pram and you know the little girl's trike to walk along the streets (laughs) yes you're disabled just think about that for a minute and again that was another dawning realization yeah so I've only just started using that term myself to describe 
me as a disabled uh-huh. person, a disabled artist, because that is what I am really. So yeah, there's, oh. there's a lot of a fight within yourself throughout the process from like claiming things like benefits and accepting that you need certain mobility aids because again, you know, i still think of myself as young, you know, mm-hmm. I'm 38 in a couple of weeks. So I'm still, and you are still young <laughs> in the scheme of things. So when you think, gosh, those people with the blue badges have, you know, white hair and they're bent in half and, you know, it's like, yeah. but, but it has so many different meanings. It really does. Oh, and I think yeah. being able to come to terms with that and, and find some grace in that for yourself, that's, that's healing. That's a part of healing. That is, you know, those are things that can heal, you know, Yeah. Definitely. even though the, the chronic part is there, can you heal your heart around it a little bit? You know? Yeah. It's, it's, there is that element of internal sort of ableism where mm-hmm. like you say, you think, well, even like the symbol for the blue badge and on the car parking spaces is a figure in a wheelchair, Yeah, right. but there are hidden disabilities and those are the hardest disabilities that are just really tough when you go out into the world and you keep trying to do your routine mm-hmm. because I mean the, I remember the first time I went out with my my stick after I mean I've had my stick for like four years mm-hmm. and it's just this collapsible thing that I got off the internet um and again a collapsible one so I could pop it in my handbag so nobody <laughs> yeah. would see me with oh, it gosh. oh seriously yeah oh and back then, what were you thinking? What were you thinking, woman? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, but, uh, oh. you know, I think for people that don't have a chronic disease, you could think of it kind of like grief, you know, because mm. when you're in deeply in grief, nobody can see it, but it's still, it's such a brick in your pocket, you know, it's, mm. it's there. So think of that. I mean, certainly it, once we have grief, we live with that to, to varied degrees. But when you have a, you know, a chronic illness that I've heard that over and over again, nobody can see it. So they're like, Oh, you're fine. And, and no, frankly, not yeah. fine. <laughs> this is happening. So how has it um, changed what you've done, what your choices have been creatively? I've actually loosened up with my creativity more. I started out, I mean, my favorite memory for like creativity and everything is doing the home decor course with mats mm. when I was laid up in hospital and I'm high on morphine because I just had the laparoscopy for my endometriosis <laughs> and I'm drawing swans on the iPad <laughs> they were extra swanny swans they were because of that. <laughs> I do look back at them the other day and I was just like oh what was I doing <laughs> so yeah I'll definitely be revisiting that one <laughs> that assignment <laughs> I love that but yeah that that element of uh, creativity and like I thought that an iPad is you know when it first came out everybody was like this is the keystone to mm. how I'm going to get where I need to be with my goals mm. for this creative career and right. it'll make me work faster stronger harder <laughs> better than ever before Bionic. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah when I actually got into it I was just like oh my joints are seizing up a bit here the Uh. inflammation's roaring away and I actually found now that reverting to traditional media is so much better for myself so interesting not only in my soul but physically with being able to handle things like pastels and doing Mm -hmm. painting I've gone back into watercolors and the gouache paints and things like that and working bigger Mm. on bigger pieces of paper 
uh, I find myself being very tight and drawing everything very realistically and very detailed and close up. Uh, but now, over this last 12 months, I found that I've got sometimes I have a bit of a tremor and a shake. Mm-hmm. But if I'm using a certain material such as pastels or inks, watercolors, that doesn't show through and it's not as obvious and standing out as it would be when I do on the iPad. Yeah. And then I tried to get back to the iPad the other week. And again, I was just little it's shaky so hands. And it, oh, I was just, it's like uncoiling a spring. Yeah. You just That's sort of. So oh, interesting. Yeah. Cause when you think about, first of all, just the size, if you're working large, mm-hmm. your, your strokes of whatever the pastel or the brush stroke or whatever can be broader. And then when you're coming down to that screen and you're trying, you know, that's so interesting. Plus you, you said something about just the, just the feel of it in your hands, you know, yeah. ink or pastel or whatever it is. Just, there's something about that for me that just, ah, uh, you know, it's, it's raw. It's more it? natural. Yeah. It's a more natural yeah. thing. So I, but that's interesting that for you, it really, it works on many levels. It, you're, it allows you to create in, in a less painful way and in a way that just works for you. Definitely. Yeah. I think it's a strange thing about, I often say that I I believe that everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. And so even though it's really tough going through the battling for a diagnosis and having all these illnesses to put up with it day by day, I still feel like back when I had that iPad and I was looking at everybody's work in all the different classes, I'm thinking, I want to be more freer. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, universe mm-hmm. tell me, how can I just find my style and be more loose and more instinctive with my artwork? And yes. then lo and behold, <laughs> takes some years, but the journey, it's a winding path, but you get there eventually, don't you? You, so. really, do. you really do. I think if you keep asking yourself that question, what, and, and that's tripped me up so many times, what's my style, especially when you're learning from someone else, you know, and how do I, how do I, and when you're when you were forced to step back and, and really touch something that's, you know, a different medium to find that that's, that's kind of a gift in a, in a roundabout quirky way. It's that strange silver lining, isn't it? It's that strange all those gray clouds. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I just feel like that this is such a valuable conversation because again, it's that quiet thing that we, it's scary to talk about it's scary to have nobody's fine giving you the answers that might, you know, help in one way or another. And I would think does creativity, um, the fact that you're creative, just help it all the way around just to give yourself, your mind another place to go. Oh, definitely. It's, it's always a sanctuary, isn't it? I think yeah. even without the honesty, no matter what, create app, when you get in the zone, it's yeah. just fabulous. And, you do feel like you're flying high, don't you? When you get right with that painting on your canvas or you're making the pots or whatever you're doing. But yeah, it's yeah. definitely, it's this escapism. I think it's always been yeah. right from being a child. It was creating other worlds. You know, I mean, I used to hide in my mum's wardrobe and act like it was Narnia on the other oh, side of the door. Absolutely. And, <laughs> it was, wasn't it? Come on. It totally was. Yeah, just push through the fur coats. And <laughs> we kept going. Yeah. And you know, so. it's permission to have that feeling it's permission to be like, yes, being a creative is my life's best work. You can say, and, and no, and through whatever hurdles 
come my way, that's what I'll do. And I think that's, that's a really good example because it's when you can, when that can be okay, it, it can be such a balm in so many ways, you know, that's so good. (laughs) So tell me a little bit about your podcast. You were saying you had all sorts of things planned out, which I'm, I'm in, in great awe of because I, (laughs) I don't work very well that way, but so tell me a little bit about the motivation and what you're excited about, about it and the name. Okay. Well, I came up with the idea of the Chronic Artist podcast. Love it. Um, thank you. <laughs> because I was having this conversation with the artistic community, with the service pattern designers, all the illustrators that I've met through all the various classes. And I think just one day at that point of frustration with the experience I was having on my journey with this creative, uh, this creative illness, with this chronic illness, yeah. um, I just put it out there on social media and started talking about it. And the moment I did, I was just so moved by how many messages I got uh-huh. in, like through Instagram and Facebook, just sort of saying to me, oh, I have a chronic illness and I totally get where you're coming from and things like that. And I was, I was like, I know you though. I, you know, I, you're my online friends. How yeah. did I not know this about you? Uh-huh. And I just thought, why is there a silence mm-hmm. to a stigma? Yeah, it, it's so strange. Um, I mean, I can understand why people don't talk about the health and they don't want to. And it's not for everybody. I'm not pushing anyone in any way to right, right. step forward and, you know, yeah, lay it all out, lay it all out on the table there for everybody, you know, because um, there's a nice thing elements. about hearing somebody that is willing to talk about it is then mm. maybe you don't have to. Maybe you can just listen and say, oh, my gosh, I feel supported and I don't even have to raise my hand. Yeah, definitely. It's that thing of just take what is relevant to you from what you hear what you see what you read and just make it work for you and if it helps amazing that's great if it doesn't just again keep looking keep searching move on to the next thing and see you know you never know I think I find myself that a lot of the younger generations who have chronic illness are sharing very openly on things like TikTok and Instagram mm-hmm. and following those accounts has helped me mm. to realize, Oh, hang on, this is the thing that's going on. This is what's happening to me. Um, and people stepping forward and suggesting, you know, Oh, I've seen such a body in such a County and this doctor over here. It's ah. that, that sort of that network yeah. of communication that's almost like on the underground. It's like secret, you know, you know, I have a friend who said, I, <laughs> I am crazy about TikTok Cause I can find out so much more about these things that are otherwise not talked about chronic diseases or ADHD or whatever it is. So much information is coming across that way by in ways that we couldn't get it before. Cause you would, you go to a medical professional or you go to a um, you know, professional website or whatever. And now there's, I mean, granted, we have to take it all with a grain of salt, but there are people you can listen to and ask and, and just compare experiences with, or again, just listen to the podcast and think, Oh my gosh, I'm not alone. Yeah. I think it, yeah, definitely. I think like for me, um, right back sort of when it first, you know, when the big, like I say, explosion of body flare-ups and everything happened for me was about, like I say, six, seven years ago. And nobody had listened. I'd go to the GP. I'd been to the local hospital. Again, all in your head. It's women's pains, you know, get on with your life. And it was because I found a Facebook group 
that actually spoke about endometriosis and people in there shared what doctors they visited and how their mannerisms were that mm. I then was able to book privately with someone down in Birmingham and you know I had a operation up here in Warrington and they were like there's nothing wrong with you the surgeon laughed in my face before I went under oh. and she, like what are you here for you've been trying for a baby what are you here for then oh my gosh and having that preset I don't know like rules or whatever it's like she had a checklist in her head of oh well if you're you know you've been trying for a baby then you don't have endometriosis or oh whatever hello it's like, <laughs> yeah it was because we weren't that's how another. we find out that's how we knew <laughs> um, that's how I knew something was wrong yeah and so when she laughed at me I thought I know she's not going to find anything no she had no she's, intention she, she knows anything. she's not going to find anything that's yeah. how oh my gosh but See, when and- I went private it was mm. I was he thought I was going to be in for an hour and I was in for three and a half hours with him. Wow. And wow. he said, when I came round and he was filling me in, he said, you've got endometriosis uh, over your pelvis. Um, it's rectovaginal. It's all around your intestines. It's on your wall of your uterus. And I was oh like, goodness. it sounds like someone's gone crazy with some silly string inside yeah. my abdomen. How yeah. did anybody not... not- believe me and t- you know, I couldn't walk for two weeks I couldn't walk I was housebound I was on the sofa I was in my jammer I couldn't do anything so I knew it was bad at that point and yeah. I got frustrated with myself that all I was doing was just binge watching Netflix right, right. <laughs> and that was the point for me where I was like yeah two weeks of this I'm not doing anymore that's when the fight began right. you know I took up like- my uh, well, and so we do have to get to that point, right? Because we mm-hmm. have to be like, oh my God, nobody's doing this. And if I want to, I mean, if I want to just be housebound and watch Netflix forever, that's one thing. But if I'm going to pay the bills and live the life I can, then I'm going to stand up and do something about it. Yeah, and it, and it is kind of um, super satisfying when you're like, okay, I'm going to make this happen. You're going to listen to me and at least get me, you know, I <laughs> at one point, um, when I was trying to get this figured out and uh, the nurse said, I don't know, it was something about timing and, you know, well, the doctor only does this. And I, I literally went to the, cause they saw me. Right. And I said, okay, so here's the thing. I'm going to be sit here right here until you get me an appointment. Like that's see ya in an hour. And she's like, okay, but I finally, I finally got somebody on the phone that was, would listen. She's like, I get it. I hear you. I think you, right. I think you need to see this. So she arranged it. And when I went and I didn't, had never seen any of these people in person, but I walked into the office of this doctor and I looked around, there was this woman in the corner and she was kind of tipped back in her chair and she had tattoos all over and she had wild hair. And I was like, you're the one I talked to on the phone. I'll bet. She just had this kind of like devil may care. I'm going to figure it out. It's like, Oh, we need more of you. It anyway, too right. Too it's, right. it's just, I'm so glad. And I'm so proud of you for sharing this because I think the hard part is what you're, you're, I think you're like me in, in that you wake up positive. You seem to be just a positive person, which helps immeasurably in dealing with what life puts in front of us to trip over. Mm -hmm. So thankfully um, we can say, all right, well, well, here comes the day I'm going to figure it out. And I know not everybody um, has that turned on in, in their system, but I'm thankful for that. And, and you obviously have that too. And it just helps because I think the things that can get us down the most is just like, 
how, how do I do this again today? How do I wake up another day? Right. And, and then you just do, you just, you just yeah. do. And, and we have, you pick up the pestles and you pick up, you know, for me, it's silver or taking a walk with my kiddo or whatever it is that, that just is very gratifying doing this recording yes. a podcast with somebody I think is amazing. So <laughs> just very grateful for that. Oh, thank you for sharing. I hope it has helped other people just feel like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone in this journey. Yeah, definitely. I think that's what I've said to everyone who's got in touch with me. I've just said, if ever you want to talk, I'm there at the end. I won't be immediately there. Right. <laughs> and depending on fatigue levels and yeah. everything else that's going on, Here's I might answer you in a day or two or three. But, you know, I think it's important that we do communicate with each other, that we do share ideas. It's it's just like the journey of being an artist, really. It you really know, you'd, is. you'd share the classes that you've enjoyed. You'd share the resources mm-hmm. that you've found. You share all oh, this community, you know, Relish or any other communities are fantastic. That's the that openness between each other, I think it's really important in order to help support each other and just move our way through this life that we've got, isn't it? So. Yeah, it's, it's so true. It's so true. And I'm very grateful for the, for those things and those like-minded people that we can connect with. Oh, definitely. <laughs> so anybody um, inspiring you these days? What's, who and what is inspiring you? You can think about it just off the cuff. I can say straight away that it's it's never one individual person, but I've got a posse. You know, I've got my my gangs of uh, so surface pattern designers and illustrators, and there's three groups. There's um, the group that I met through uh, Bonnie Christine's Flourish program, and we've kept together, you know, straight through. We've been Great. chatting. We chat every couple of weeks, and it's lovely to be able to just have that time together. We don't even talk about surface pattern design now. We're just, yeah. it's like having a coffee and a catch up with so your good. mates. Uh, and then there's the Mojo ladies who I absolutely adore uh-huh. because they're just a bunch of wonderful, zany, inspirational yeah. women. And yeah, it's fantastic to be able to just dip into that when you need to. And, For you know, sure. you know, the other day I was just like, oh, I'm having trouble with all the health people. Ah. And it was great to be able to talk to everybody about it and feel comfortable to do that. Yeah, again, like, I think when loneliness. you spend a little time um, in, in a program like mm. like Flourish or Creative Mojo, you you peel back the layers and you do that with others. And we don't always have the opportunity to do that unless it's a friend you've known for a long time. So then you really can say, be yourself. You know, the walls mm. are down, which is real, which is a gift. So there was one more. I I interrupted you before you said the third one. Oh yeah. Um, And then there's an accountability group that I'm in that where we email each other every Monday morning as well. So that's the sort of, they're more the most professional bit, but we do talk about everything as well. (laughs) But it's like the goal setters. They're the goal setting team. We like say, Hey, right. This week we've got A, B and C on. And it's just nice to have that feedback from people as well. Cause you know, again, they've all got, my back and I'm there to support them in any way we can yeah so it's just lovely to be able to say right I do need to do this this week yeah (laughs) if I don't get the rolled up newspaper hit me on the nose somebody please (laughs) otherwise it's just up to me and it might not happen yes (laughs) thank you so much Annie for just sharing you and your journey and so to 
is the pod is the podcast live now no no not no. yet right so I, I didn't think so yeah that's the so, accountability I, yeah because everybody's gonna want to hear it and I know you have <laughs> many episodes lined up so just let us know and we'll we'll let mm-hmm. the world know when that happens yeah it has got its Instagram account I set that up for it so that's the chronic artist podcast Great. um and then there's a link on there to sign up for, for the the newsletter to be able to know as soon Perfect. as I do launch. So on Instagram at the Chronic Art- Artist Podcast. Yes. And go uh, sign up for the newsletter. <laughs> I want to check now. Is, is it really there? there or is it just Chronic Artist Podcast? <laughs> we will put the That's link terrible. in the show notes. Is that... <laughs> it's happening. Really, really, it is. <laughs> it's just Chronic Artist Podcast. Perfect. There we go. No, the. No, it's chronic artist artist podcast. podcast. Yes. And go sign up for the newsletter and you'll be able to hear it all and hear lovely Annie when when she goes live, which is just moments away. I'm sure. (laughs) Thank you, my dear. I just so appreciate you. Oh, thank you. No, it's, it's super chatting to you and yeah. Lovely to spend the time with you. (laughs) Likewise. Likewise. Thanks. That's it for this episode of Windowsill Chats. Thanks so much for being here with me. It's just so great to be able to bring you these conversations with the fantastic people and wonderful friends that I've met and made along the way. Make sure you subscribe to Windowsill Chats on your favorite podcast app and please share it with a friend. And if this episode spoke to you, I'd really appreciate it if you would also leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can just go to the bottom of the episode you've just listened to and it'll let you leave a review. If you have any questions or want to check out more details or inspiration that we talked about, head over to the show notes at windowsillchats.com or tantostudio.com. They'll both take you to the same place. I can't wait to share more stories with you again next week. I value your time and I absolutely believe in your potential. Have a great one, everyone, and stay creatively curious.